Well, thank y'all for being here this morning. Um, I felt the Lord really touching me during worship both times. <laughs> it's always a joy when God does something. So I want you to open your Bibles this morning to John 9. And what we're talking about is uh, there's eight signs in the Gospel of John that we've been looking at over the last forever. Uh, and this is the sixth sign. In the Gospel of John, it's when the, the, Jesus healed a man born blind. And so what we're talking about this morning is having eyes to see, spiritual eyes to see. And so let me just read John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. You can open your Bibles or you can look up there on the screen. It's coming. be there in a moment. <laughs> right now it's a blank screen. What's wrong? It's frozen. Well, why are you unlocked? You know how computers will do you. They'll let you down at the most needed moment. But we have the old-fashioned way. There you go. We don't have to use the old-fashioned way. But we can't always fall back to the to the to the pages, the paper. All right, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was, born, who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now that's the question that's being asked. That's important that we see that. Uh, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Stop right there, and Drew, will you jump over to John 3 in the Message Bible? Let me read how the message reads that verse. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Now that's the key to understanding this, this miracle or this sign. Remember, these signs are, are to point us to something. That's what, that's what they're all about. They're to point us to something. That something is the kingdom of heaven. That's what God's trying to do. He's trying to teach us how to see the kingdom, to see it with, and, and see it into the reality of our lives. And that's really what Jesus was saying here. Look, it's not, this, this is not about sin. It's not whether this man's parents sin or whether he sin. This is about seeing spiritually, okay? Having eyes to see spiritually. That's what Jesus is trying to alert us to and to, to, to bring us into the anointing, the ability to see spiritually. All right, let's go back to... To John 4 in the, in the New King James. All right. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And I just want to tell you this because I think this is interesting, you know, just from a historical perspective. Um, the Pharisees, of course, made all these what they call fence laws, okay? And these were laws to keep them from breaking the Ten Commandments. And one of their fence laws was on the Sabbath, you could spit, but you could not spit on the ground. You could spit on a stone, you could spit in water, you could get you a spittoon to spit it, but you couldn't spit on the ground because if you spit on the ground, you were making clay, and making clay was work. <laughs> Isn't that insane? That is, that is insane. But so you see, Jesus was just absolutely, this was on the Sabbath, he was absolutely going after these guys, uh, you know, their false 
system of belief, which, you know, there's a, there's a lot in there, you know, when he did this. And I think probably, probably there's some of us in this room who have actually had friends who were blind where we really, you know, we did the same thing. I mean, I know I've been involved in that kind of activity with blind friends. And I would encourage you if, to do it, you know. Perhaps the Lord would heal your blind friends, but that's not a, necessarily a method. Uh, it says he, go back for a minute, let me finish it. I don't think I finished it, Drew. Back to 9.6. It says, he anointed the eyes of the blind women with the clay, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. A really tremendous healing, tremendous miracle that the Lord performed. Now I want you to jump down to John 9. I'm not going to read It's 41 verses. The story is. There's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of revelation in there. But I want to jump down to the very end in John 9, 39. And this is Jesus at the end of this story explaining what I just said to you about what this, what this miracle is about. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see. Now see, that's what he's talking about here. It's see, being able to see spiritually. And that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. So the whole purpose of the, of the miracle was to help teach us how to see spiritually. It wasn't about sin. It wasn't just necessary about healing, but, you know, the Lord does heal. The Bible says in 11, uh, Luke 11, verse 34, The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is full, also full of darkness. So the Lord wants our eyes to be good. He wants us to have these spiritual eyes that are functional and able to see into the spirit realm. I believe the Bible teaches us that every born-again Christian has the ability to see spiritually. We all have been given that gift from God, but we don't all see spiritually. And God, what God wants to do is He wants to help us. He wants to teach us. He wants to help us cultivate the gift of seeing spiritually. Because we're designed to see spiritually. We're designed to live that way. Second uh, Corinthians 4.1. I wanted to read this verse to you this morning. Several years ago, back in my former career as an engineer, uh, I remember distinctly the Lord giving me this verse one, one evening in Philadelphia. I was in a motel room. I can remember it just like it happened a moment ago because it was one of those moments where God really spoke to me. And... It was a time in my life where I really felt like the Lord had a real calling on my life to be, to be a pastor, to be in the ministry. But I wasn't. And honestly, at that time, it seemed like everything I had tried to do ministry-wise was not working. I mean, in fact, it was opposite. It was, it was just a, it was all failure. And, you know, I was ineffective, and, and I was discouraged, and I was disappointed, and I was losing weight, really losing, losing my vision for what I felt like God had called me to do. And I was confused, and I was, and, and I was crying out to the Lord that night, and the Lord gave me this verse. I opened the Bible, and there it was. It just spoke to me. It says, Therefore, since we have, we have this ministry, and I knew the Lord was speaking to me. That, you know, he was saying to me at that moment, You have a ministry, Byron. You have a ministry. Since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, and the Lord was saying, You know, it's mercy. <laughs> you know, it's not anything really you do. It's the mercy of God. It's all mercy. You know, that's important we don't ever lose it. We do not lose heart. 
we do not lose heart. You see, that was what was happening to me. I was losing heart. I was getting discouraged in my heart, in my heart of hearts and beginning to lose the ability to keep going. Well, um, several, you know, several years passed, and, and the Lord did put me in the ministry, um, just you know, in His way and His time. Uh, in spite of me, I would probably say that would be the, the way to look at it. In spite of me, not, not a whole lot of help. It was more mercy than anything else. But, uh, and began to, the Lord began to do what God does in a person's life. And I went through uh, some good seasons spiritually in my life and in, my, in the ministry. I saw some fruit. But about three years ago, I came to a place uh, where I felt um, felt everything began to crumble on me and I began to lose heart about my ministry because my ministry suddenly quit working and, and, and the things that I had believed about what God had spoken to me and about the, what he had wanted me to do they were no longer uh, didn't, didn't seem very valid in my life in fact everything seemed opposite and you know I began to really struggle in my heart and just in every area you know just nothing was working relationships weren't working uh, ministry wasn't working. It was just, you know, I felt like a phony, honestly, because I, you know, you'd be preaching, and, and but on the inside you felt like you were dying, and just felt like, you know, what's the use? But it was inspired of me for sure. But I remember one distinct day that I uh, had, I can remember that just like it just happened. I pulled into the parking lot at MCA and let somebody out of the car, and and I was just crying out to the Lord, Lord, you know. He's, you know, you just doesn't seem things are working anymore, and I don't really know what to do, Lord. It's like you, what, what you were doing in my life, and what you were doing even in the earth. It's, I don't fit in no more, and it doesn't work anymore. I, I'm asking you, Lord. I, I think, I think I'm missing something. And I said to the Lord a simple prayer, Lord. I, I feel like what you want me to do is you want me to have another vision, and I believe you want me to have a vision for the kingdom of God. That's what I really believe. Uh, and I ask you to give me that. I ask you to explain the kingdom of God to me. I, I, that was my simple little prayer to the Lord and and then, then drove off and uh, didn't, you know, have any conscious awareness of anything that was happening. But not long after that, the Lord gave me these verses, Second uh, Corinthians 4, verse 16. And they began to really speak to me in a very powerful way. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart. So there you go. You know, that was losing heart again. Anybody in this room feel like they're going to lose heart this morning? Well, the Lord wants to show you how not to lose heart. Okay? Because as Christians, we are going to face a life of heart, loss of heart. In fact, I really encourage you to read Second Corinthians 4 because Paul, in the preceding verses that I don't have time to go, that's what he talks about. He talks about the difficulties of his life. He talks about, you know, the pressed down but not destroyed, you know, persecuted, but not abandoned. He talks about the difficulties of what he was involved in. And then he tells us, you know, he starts out, we don't lose heart because God's given us something. Then he talks about all the difficulties that you go through. And then at the end, he says, well, this is, you know, we're going through this, but we don't lose heart. And why don't we lose heart, okay? And that was like, yes, God's speaking to me. Even though our outward man is perishing, perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Sounds great. That's good. That's the truth. Then he talks about, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. There's a lot into that. But, 
While we, this is it. While we do not look at the things which are seen. And you see, there's Paul. He's beginning to tell us the secret to not losing heart. is not looking at the things that are seen. He begins to reveal his secret that he carried, that he walked in, that kept him from getting into absolute despair in his life. We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are not seen. You've got to be able to see those things. You've got to be able to see spiritually. You've got to have eyes to see. Okay? For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And I knew the Lord. I remembered that the Lord was wanting to teach me about And I asked the Lord to teach me about, the, about His kingdom. And that was the first thing he told me about his... That's the first thing that God told me. I mean, you know, we've heard other things. But when God spoke to me personally about his kingdom, that his kingdom is something you cannot see with your natural eyes unless you see it first with your spiritual eyes. That you have to be able to see it as invisibly first or it'll be nothing but just mere doctrines on a piece of paper. Mere words on a piece of paper. And the Lord began to really... make this a reality in my life that, that He had called me and He's called all of us to really be able to see the invisible. And I, I'll, I'll say this to you. God has designed us to see the invisible. God has given us spiritual eyes to see the invisible. We have those things on board. God's, those are gifts of God's that we, we receive when we receive the Lord Jesus because we receive Him and He's got that power. But I wasn't walking in that. I was not seeing invisibly, honestly. So, you know, being the good logical engineer thinker that I am, I asked the Lord, okay, well, okay, that's a great answer, Lord. And you should ask, ask the question to the Lord too. That's great, Lord. I'm supposed to see invisible. Wonderful. I mean, that's the answer to the problem. But somehow or another... I don't know, I, that doesn't help me. It, it, it just tells me what I'm supposed to do. You know, anybody ever tell you what you're supposed to do, but not really tell you how to do it? You know, like, well, Becky, you can change a tire. Just go do it. Well, somebody needs a teacher how to, especially with new jacks the way they are. You know, they ain't, they're like old-timey jacks. You got These jacks are crazy. In fact, I don't know who came up with jacks, but they were not a good engineer in my opinion. <laughs> They're too hard to use. But see, what I want, I begin to seek the Lord. How do I see spiritually? If I'm supposed to see spiritually, I need you to tell me how to see spiritually. Because I don't know how. And that's what I want to share with you, some, a few things. Uh, first of all, the, the verse is uh, Revelation 3.18, when the Lord was admonishing the Laodicean church, the lukewarm church. And He told them several things they needed to do. And one of the things he says, I counsel you, and then he starts giving counsel. But he gave a counsel. He says, I counsel you to anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. You ever thought about that? Ever read that and thought, okay, all right. You want me to anoint my eyes with eye salve that I may see, Lord. That's what you want me to do. Now, where is this eye salve at? What is this eye salve? Where do I buy this eye salve at, you know? I need something better than that, Lord. I don't know about y'all guys. I can't just read something that says me to anoint my eyes with eye salve and I'm supposed to see. And what the heck is eye salve? I mean, we've got to get real with God. I mean, I don't just sit there, duh, okay, yeah, okay, I'm supposed to do that. So I'm saying, well, I need to know what this I salve is. Give me some stuff, Lord. You got to take me beyond just the, you know, the surface. You know. Anyways, well, here's the great example I gave in the first. I love this. I told Lizzie Stein she was doing her math homework. 
I said, just look in the back of the book and write the answer down. <laughs> the answers are back there. Then, you know, Mr. Magusa wouldn't be happy with that. Because <laughs> you've got to know how to, you know, in math, you've got to show the steps. I'll show your work. Don't just give me the answer. <laughs> you know, show me how you got the answer. And that's the way, I, you know, we need to approach God. God gives us the answer, and He also gives us the pieces to get the answer. And so what I want to tell you is some pieces He shared with me. I will... Con- Say this, this is not every piece, but these pieces are real. And these pieces work. I promise you they work, not from a theoretical standpoint, but I promise you they work from a practical application standpoint. That's one thing, but even greater, the Bible says they work. Amen? All right, the first thing you need to do is, is number one, I got five things. Number one is acknowledge the fact that you can't see. That's, number, that's, that's what we call humility. Just being truthful with God. The truth is what sets you free. You've got to start. Lord, I just, I'm not seeing spiritually. I'm not seeing it. Now, I want to read to you John 9, 39 out of the Message Bible. That's what we just read in the New King James. And just, just listen to it. I don't have it on the screen. It says, Jesus then said, I came into the world to bring everything into, into the clear light of day, making all distinctions clear. That's Jesus yeah, cool. So that those who have never seen will see. That's us, okay? I'm buying into that group. I'm into the never seen group. And those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. You know, and if we have a pretense that we're seeing things and we're really not, then we are just going to be exposed as being blind. The Lord wants us to admit our blindness. Confess, Lord, I'm just blind. I'm not seeing it. And that really puts us in a position to be able to receive his sight, to be able to receive. And that's, that's to me, is foundation. You've got to have that. All right, number two is repentance, okay, coupled with faith. Repentance coupled with faith. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I know I've, we've shared this several times with you, okay, but I, I'm telling you, this is true. This is the truth, and this works, okay? Repentance does not mean turning from sin and following God. Okay, that is not what repentance means. That is a fruit of repentance. If you truly repent of sin, you will turn, turn from it and turn to God. But repentance means, and it's, this is important for you to get this, repentance means changing your mind. That's what it means. It means you change your mind. You change your mind about the sin, and you realize how wicked it is instead of how good it makes you feel. And that's the turning, okay? Then you begin, you, you realize, I'm going to turn, I'm going to change my mind. Once you change your mind about something, you head in a different direction, okay? So we first, we start with sin in our life. And we change our mind about the sin. And we turn to God and start following Him in that area of life instead of following our own carnal, corrupt, you know, nature that, that's supposedly being crucified with Christ, if you allow it to be. Uh, but here's the key on this repentance things. There's other things that we need to repent of that are not necessarily sin, okay? God, if you will begin to ask God to show you things that you need to change your mind about, okay? God will begin to reveal to you things, how He sees things versus how you see them. And He will show you that in your personal life. He will show you that in your family life. He will show you that on your job, in your business, at school, your relationships, all of it. He will begin to show you how you're seeing it wrong. And it's a simple thing of just simply asking God, show me how you see it versus how I see it. And, it, and once He shows you, you immediately embrace what He says. 
And it's as simple as that. And you will begin to see things completely different. You will be in situations. I, I, I keep thinking about this because this is one that the Lord really got me on really good. Okay? I mean, really good. It just drove the point home. As we were having a meeting a few months ago about having the two service things, and we had 40 people here. And I was just whining like a big baby about why it took so many people to do church services. That was my whole attitude. This is ridiculous, Lord. If I would have known it took 40 people just to have a church service, I would have never got into ministry. That's what I was sitting there telling him. This is the most insane thing I have ever been involved in my life. We're going to have an extra service, and we need 40 people to make this happen? That's, we just want to minister to 40 people. Lord, forget get making, you know, having them have to do all this work. And the next morning, the Lord spoke to me. He said, this, you saw, you know, it's going to take 40 people and a lot of work to make, a ser- to make two services. I saw 40 people with a heart to work. Now, okay, you see, God saw it completely different. God was blessed there were 40 people who were willing to, to really, do, you know, serve Him in that manner. Amen. Yeah, and so what He was saying to me, you need to change the way you think about that, Byron. That's how I see it. And that's just a simple thing. And since that time in my life, God has shown me many things that I do not see right. Many things. You got that? So ask the Lord. Okay, if you got sin, deal with the sin. But ask Him. as a, See, we need to live our life in repentance. We need to live every day asking the Lord, all right, we're at work. The boss is acting like an idiot. How, Lord, what do you see about this? What are you seeing? I'm seeing I want to slap the guy. You know? God was sitting there, well, I may not see it. You know, this morning the guy found out, you know, his wife had terminal illness. You know, suddenly you're like, whoa! You know, suddenly you're seeing what God's seeing. You're hearing what God's seeing. You can begin to function with God and what He wants to do. It's just, that's just the way God has designed us to live our lives. Any other way doesn't work. Any other way, we're going to be frustrated and discouraged and suffer loss of vision. So one of the areas in particular in my life that God has really been dealing with me about lately is the whole area of the Holy Spirit and how we have bought into theologies and doctrines about the Holy Spirit that are simply not the truth. Okay? And we really need to ask the Lord, Lord, I'm so sorry that I have believed things about the Holy Spirit that wasn't true. And I've grieved the Holy Spirit in my life, believing something that was wrong. And the Lord really wants to, He wants us to see those things. And I would say many of us in this room have some bad doctrine or bad theology in our lives. And it's harming us spiritually. It's hurting us spiritually. I think really one of the, during worship what the Lord was trying to really minister to people who felt rejected is that was a lie. You're not rejected. You're not rejected. You're accepted. You're loved. And that's, that's what I'm talking about, changing your mind. So... Y'all with me on that? So the first one is humility. The second one is repentance. All right, number three is praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. All right, there's some prayers in the Bible which most of you are familiar with called apostolic prayers. They're prayers prayed by apostles. Well, if you want to have a good prayer, <laughs> grab one of them prayers. In fact, our book that you need to pick up on the way out that you bought, you know, and we bought it for you and said we'll buy it for you and you can pay us back, it's sitting out there in the foyer on the table. It's $10, and you put that $10 in the basket, and then everybody will be clear and good. But that's what that whole book's about. It's about praying every month. So last month, the first month in January, these are profound prayers. They're prayers right out of the Bible that you pray 
All right, and this particular one, prayer for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Uh, Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. Let's put that up there, Drew. This is Paul praying for the Ephesian church. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Look, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us. See, when we begin to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation... There is an automatic byproduct is our spiritual eyes are opened. And that's why it's so important to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, to pray for it, to ask, you, ask God to give it to you in any particular circumstance you're in. In any situation you're in, you can say, Lord, I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this. Or it can be a general, Lord, I just wake up today. I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation to get through the day, to see the day right. And when we ask the Lord that, our eyes will get open. We'll begin to see into the spirit realm. See what God sees. See how God, see how God, how He sees it. It's a very powerful, profound prayer and something really, really encourage you to go after that thing in prayer and keep going after it in prayer. I think it's one of those kinds of prayers you can never get tired of praying because of the results. All right, number four. All right, this one is really, this one has really, been one that I've, I ran across recently in our study in Cross School of Ministry about when heaven invades earth uh, that Bill Johnson had in his book. And I've really never seen this before. When I saw it, it was like, man, this is, this is cool beyond measure, you know, because this, is, this helped me. Being a non, uh, ex, you know, sort of an introvert person who doesn't, you know, have, has a lot of more inward stuff, it's, it's worship. Worship opens our eyes to see spiritually. Acts 2.25, let's put that up there, Drew. Acts 2.25, Peter in the middle of his great message on the day of Pentecost says this, For David says concerning him, concerning the Lord, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is my right hand that I may not be shaken. Now we all know that the greatest attribute about King David is what? Worship. And because David was such a worshiper, he was able to see. Now, I want to tell you this. He's going to see spiritually. The purpose for worship is not to see spiritually. Okay? The purpose for worship is to glorify God, to honor God, to give God what only God deserves is worship. But God in His great love and mercy and wisdom for us realizes that we as human beings, as we as mortal men and women, we need something out of worship ourselves. Because God is generous. He's generous. He may not share His glory with no man. In fact, He won't. But He will share the spiritual realm with any man who really wants it. And as we give ourselves to worshiping God, guess what a byproduct is? I guess we could call it a byproduct. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that we use today that we take for granted that really were byproducts of some other uh, invention. I mean, there's all, I mean, all kinds of stuff where they started creating. I mean, I can tell you all kinds of stuff like the invention of nylon. Well, nylon actually was a byproduct of something else they were going after. You see what I'm saying? And so a, a byproduct is just like, oh, and by the way, uh, people, if, you know, I'm asking you, I've commanded you to worship me. I want you to worship me. This is the right thing to do. And, but guess what's going to happen to you? If you will become a true worshiper in the spirit and truth, guess what's going to be for you? Not only are you going to be blessed because you've obeyed the Lord, you're going to start seeing spiritually. 
you're going to be able to see into the spirit realm. And so what that does for me, being, you know, not one of these people who are natural worship kind of guys, it really makes me want to worship the Lord more. So call me just a sorry Christian if you want to. I need help. You know, that's why I'm, oh boy, oh boy, I can worship the Lord because He deserves it and He rightfully deserves it. And even if there was no byproduct, I still need to do that. But there is a byproduct. There is a motivation. If you'll clean your room, we will go, you know, and shoot some pool, you know, if you like to shoot pool. Oh, yeah, I need to get my room clean. I need to obey. But there's a byproduct. We're going to go to the pool hall and shoot pool. <laughs> I used to love to shoot pool. Or we're going to play golf now, yeah. <laughs> clean your room. If you act right, treat your wife nice, take her out. She may not fuss at you and let you go play golf. <laughs> so you should treat your wife right. But there's a byproduct. And I'm telling you, we need to become worshipers for lots of reasons. But this sort of helps me get in the door more. It makes me realize I want to worship the Lord more because I love the Lord, but I also want to see spiritually. That's a secondary. So that's the fourth thing. And then the last thing is something that is uh, really just real fresh in my life. All this is fresh, but this is one I got by good experience uh, this past week. Is, uh, is Hebrews twelve fourteen? Put that up there, uh, Drew. Uh, it's called relational peace and personal holiness. Relational peace and personal holiness. It says pursue with all people, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. In other words, if you're not walking in holiness, if you're not walking with peace with people, you're just going to miss the Lord. You're not going to see spiritually. So what happened to me is I just had this moment in my life where I felt like I've got to get, I've got to hear the Lord here because I'm sort of messed up. I'm not sure what I'm doing in my life right now, Lord. I mean, I'm, there's just too much happening. I've got to figure out what's your agenda and what's my agenda and sort of sort through all that. So I, I go off to spend some time with the Lord. I've got four hours blocked. I'm going to be by myself. I'm tossing. I, in fact, I'll throw that cell phone in the water if I have to. I'm just going to get along with the Lord and hear the Lord. Lord's going to speak to me. So I'm doing this with the Lord, thinking God's going to really help me with my agenda, telling me, all right, this is the things you need to be doing, these things you don't need to be doing, you're doing this wrong. And I kept getting these thoughts in my mind about a difficulty that I have with some individuals, okay? And I kept thinking, I said, devil, you know, I don't need, I don't want to think about that now. I'll just get mad if I start thinking about that. I'll get mad at them and I'll start being critical in my heart. So I kept casting it down, you know. No, I'm not going to think about that. Lord, where are you, Lord? And I just spent those four hours and I was so confused when I got through. It's like, man, you know, this is bad, Lord. <laughs> I mean, this is real bad. And Becky even said to me, stay away from me because you're stressing me out being around you. You're so messed up. You know, I'm, I'm in the flesh. I mean, really in the flesh here. You know, I couldn't hear God. If he would have walked in a room and slapped me, I would have known it was him. But Marlon, Marlon Magusu, bless his heart, mentioned something Friday night. And we were in Wilmington. He mentioned something in the meeting there. And when he said it, just like, my eyes opened. I realized that was the Lord. And, and he brought that scripture to my mind. When you have strife in your relationships, you're not going to be able to see spiritually. That's what that verse says. And that's what God, that's, God was bringing that to me. He was saying to me, I didn't want to talk to you about your agenda. I want to talk to you about the strife you have. I want that strife out of your heart and out of your mind. Because you're not going to be able to see what you need to see because you got this strife. 
And I will tell all the men this because it's worth telling you. The, there's even a worse situation in husband and wife relationship. There's a place, in, I think it's in First or Second Peter, where the Lord actually says, if you don't treat your wife right, I'm not even, when you pray, I'm just not even, you know, forget it, I'm not listening. I mean, He will frustrate us spiritually in our marital relationships if our marital relationships are wrong. Now, I think husbands need to hear that this morning because you have the responsibility in the home. It's what I tell all these couples we're, you know, newly getting ready to get married. I tell, them the same, I tell them all the same thing. If Jesus came to the house, he'd go talk to the woman a little bit and talk to her about stuff she, you know, stuff in her life. But then he'd come to you and says something like, how's the marriage? Well, it's not good, Lord. You know, she's being this way or she's being that way. He would say, well, what are you doing about it, Byron? What, how's she doing? Is she better? Then when you first got married, I mean, God's really looking to us as men to make sure our wives become greater in God than they were when we got them. That's, you, you hear what I'm saying to you? So it's really even worse for men. So, man, I'm telling you, you're in trouble with the Lord if you're like me. <laughs> I stay in trouble with the Lord about that. But just in relationships in general, I want to encourage you, if you have issues in that area, it will keep you from being able to hear the Lord see into the spirit realm. And also personal holiness. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they, the pure in heart, the pure in heart, they were the ones who are going to see the Lord. They're the ones who are going to be able to see spiritually. All right, let's put that up. This is from the message. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He, he, he said it like this. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. You're blessed when you do that. Then you can see God in the outside world. You got that? And what was happening in my life is I had this stuff on the inside world that wasn't right. And it was causing me not to be able to see God in my outside world. And I had to get that right. Fortunately, you know, the grace of God's there. You just confess it. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm messed up here, Lord. And I ask you to forgive me. And that really releases you again to see spiritually again. And when you're seeing spiritually, you're a lot better off. You know, things are better off in your life. You know, you can deal with things better. and You're not mean and critical, accusing. So those are like just five things I wanted to share with you to help you see spiritually. And if you, and I promise you this, I can guarantee you this, if you will begin to put these things you know, embrace these things into your life, you will start seeing spiritually. You will have spiritual eyes to see. It's, it's, it's promised. It's promised. The spirit of wisdom and revelation opens the eyes of our heart. It's promised that if we don't have, if we're off and we're, we have no peace in our life and relationship, you're going to not be able to see the Lord. If you have unholiness in your life, you have sin in your life, you're not going to see, those things will keep you from seeing. You need to walk holy. And, you know, that's the one thing I like about old Marlon is, he really says he's trying to teach the kids holiness. Isn't that great? Having the youth pastor wants to teach the kids how to be holy and how to be doers of the words, not just hearers. I'm thinking, man, man congratulations. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's what we want. So I, I can say this to you this morning. These things are right from the Word of God, but they're also right from the experiences of, of, of people's lives, many people, not just mine, but they're all an experience in my life, and I know they were, and as we give our lives to these things... And walking this way, God will really speak to us. So what we're going to do this morning is, you know, what I wanted to say, we're going to do communion to end, okay? This is the end. 
First of all, let me ask you, is there anybody in this room sick this morning? Raise your hand. Okay, we got a few sick people. All right, sick folks, or any person in your family or friends that is sick that you'd like to stand in for, we want to lay hands on you and pray for you for healing. So what I'd like for the sick people to do is go over there and like some people from the ministry team to go over there and lay hands on them for healing. Okay, so... And then you can receive communion. But what I want you, all of us to do about communion this morning, in particular, the Bible talks about, it talks about when we do communion, that it's before the Lord, it can be a serious thing. And a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a greater time, people, according to the Bible, have actually died because they approached communion from a wrong perspective. Now, we could say, well, they, maybe that means they spiritually died. Well, heck... If you're spiritually dead, baby, you are dead. I mean, your body might be alive, but you are in big trouble, you know. But I do believe they were people who literally died in the in New Testament times because of the, you know. But, but we don't see God at that intense right now. But there could come a time, you know, and we need to learn that communion is a serious thing before the Lord. And one of the areas that God really if, will... that that. The Bible speaks of over and over this whole thing of relationships. Is if we're out in relationships, God wants us to not be out. Okay? He wants us to get right in our relationships. And make sure you're right. So what I'm encouraging you to do, examine your heart this morning. Are you right in your relationships? You know, and if you're not, you know, you get right with the Lord and ask him to forgive you. And you can receive communion and make a commitment, an ironclad commitment in your heart that you will get right in that relationship. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? Do that. It'll help you, you know, on lots of levels. It'll help you see the Lord. So we're going to receive communion like that this morning. So let's go ahead and can we do some music? Or you don't feel like it? And let's uh, get some people over here to serve communion and, and th- those who need prayer for healing. Let's go do that over there and make sure you get, you get healed. We have several testimonies of people being healed recently. Several testimonies. So I want to encourage you, if you are sick, the Lord has a healing anointing for you. And so that's how we're going to you know, dismiss the services through communion, prayer for the sick. And you know, as they're ready and as you feel ready before the Lord, you can come.